Hi, it's Holly. Today on Pediatrics Now, we're talking about RSV prevention and a major new development. According to the New York Times, respiratory syncytial virus is the leading reason for hospitalization among infants in the United States. Between 58,000 and 80,000 children under the age of five the majority of whom are less than a year old. RSV also results in 60,000 to 160,000 hospitalizations and 6,000 to 10,000 deaths annually in Americans over age 65. For comparison, flu caused about 171,000 hospitalizations and 16,000 deaths in older adults during the 2019 and 2020 flu season. Joining me back here today in the podcast studio is Dr. Michael Odom. He's been involved in clinical research projects to research ways to prevent RSV since the 1990s. Dr. Odom, thank you so much for being back here on Pediatrics Now. Yes, thank you. I'm glad to, glad to be here. So since you were last here, there's been some huge developments. The American Academy of Pediatrics recommends that all infants, and especially those at high risk, receive the new preventive antibody nirsevimab to protect against severe disease caused by respiratory syncytial virus, which is common, highly contagious as we know, and sometimes deadly. Yes, uh, I think we talked about this at our last, um, at our last visit. Uh, nirsevimab is a, a humanized monoclonal antibody uh, with an extended half-life um, that's de been developed by uh, AstraZeneca and Sanofi um, for the prevention of RSV disease in um, really all babies uh, less, than, less than eight months of age who are entering their first uh, RSV season. Um, the, uh, the product receives strong endorsement from FDA and uh, from the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices for the CDC. Um, and uh, AAP has uh, endorsed that, um, that, um, that recommendation. Um, so, you know, going into this RSV season that we expect to begin in the fall of this year, it's recommended that all babies who are less than eight months of age receive a single dose of nirsevimab for the prevention of uh, RSV. Having researched this for so long and you're so passionate about this, how does it Feel that now that we're here and this is happening? Well, it's a big development in the field, I think. Um, you know, I was involved in some of the early uh, clinical uh, trials of uh, synergists for the prevention of severe disease in premature babies and in babies with, uh, with chronic lung disease. Although synergist has, has been a, a time-tested and a great product for us, uh, the problem is that it has to be administered every month. Uh, the half-life for IgG antibody tends to be around 20 to 30 days, so um, it needs to be redosed every 30 days. And during an RSV season, a baby could require up to five doses, and mm -hmm. um, so that's you know that's problematic for families. They've got to um, you know rearrange their schedule, go to the clinic, find a doctor who's who's um, who's going to be able to administer synergis, and then the baby's got to get get five injections. So this new product, Nirsivimab, uh, is an extended half-life preparation, which is believed to uh, have a duration of effect uh, lasting uh, for over five months, at, you know, uh, well beyond five months. So, uh, and then it's a higher potency as well. It's, uh, the, these antibodies bind to the F protein of the respiratory syncytial virus, uh, and that's the protein that allows the virus to bind to uh, respiratory epithelial cells and enter the human body. Uh, so the nirsevimab is thought to have a, a much higher potency uh, against that protein, uh, preventing its ability to bind 
um, and gain entry into the into the body. One pediatrician I was talking to was saying he feels like his patients will be especially hesitant to this because it's an antibody. What what do you say or what do you do in that case? Yeah, when we think about um, antibodies and immunization, uh, there are two basic mechanisms. There's passive immunization, which means that we're giving the antibody directly to the patient. Or for babies, uh, they can gain um, antibodies passively from the mother's circulation. Um, IgG antibody is actively transported across the placenta beginning around 28 to 30 weeks gestation. And uh, so that's a way that babies always um, acquire antibodies from the mom. So any, um, any bacteria or viruses that mom has immunity to, uh, the baby will require that to a, certain extent, to a certain extent. And then there's active immunization, which means we give the baby an antigen and then the baby's body responds by making antibodies against the antigen. So it's, you know, it's, it's all antibodies and it's just different ways to acquire the antibody, either through our, through our own body's ability to make the antibody or passively through, a, uh, through an immunization. What about cost? That's a big one that's coming up with this. Yeah, I think there's still uncertainty in terms of the cost, but the numbers that I've seen, AAP had a, had a policy statement um, in pediatrics here a couple of months ago, and um, in that publication, they estimated the cost to be $495 for a single dose of nirsevimab for private payers, um, um, and then $395 through the Vaccines for Children uh, program, which is the federally funded um, program to uh, support immunization of all infants. So th- those are the numbers that are that are that are out there right now. And uh, just in contrast, uh, a single dose of Synergis, um, the number that I've heard from our hospital is a, about a thousand dollars for a single dose. So during an entire RSV season, if you if you contemplate five doses, that would be five thousand um, dollars versus a single dose of Nirsevimab, which would be. Uh, $495 at, at, its, at its highest. And then probably many hospitals and payers will be able to negotiate for, for possibly lower, lower pricing. Um, and then, you know, I refer to the, the antibody as nirsevimab. That's its generic uh, name. And the trade name is Bayfortis, which um, pediatricians will probably hear uh, maybe more, um, B-E-Y-F-O-R-T-U-S, Bayfortis. From the news release by the AAP, The quote is, pediatricians are sadly familiar with the dangers of RSV and its devastating consequences for some families. And that's from the AAP president, Sandy Chung. We are eager to offer all infants this protection and urge federal officials to see that it is made available and affordable in all communities. So are you confident that we can get there? Yeah, I I think so. And and all pediatricians, uh, you know, Cases of, of RSV, bronchiolitis, um, uh, severe disease are, are some of the most memorable cases we see as pediatricians. I remember, I remember as a resident, um, babies um, that with bronchiolitis and, and pneumonia uh, that would range from uh, kind of happy wheezers is what we would call them, uh, to babies with really severe pneumonia and really severe lung disease that would be admitted to the ICU and um, require respiratory support in one form or another. So I do think, you know, it, it's, it's received such attention from the AAP and the lay press that I, I do think the pressure will be, uh, will be strong for payers to support reimbursement for this um, new medication. The AAP has a recommendation for eligible infants and young children who cannot access nirsevimab during the 2023-24 season. 
Yes, yes. The, the recommendation is uh, if for some reason um, babies cannot receive um, nirsevimab, then and and they're in a high risk category, then they can con- they should continue to receive synergis. Um, now, I don't think that that they're recommending that um, all babies re- receive synergis dosing throughout the RSV season. That's that recommendation. I think is just for nirsevimab. Uh, but for the babies that are in high-risk categories, uh, for example, premature babies that are less than 29 weeks gestation uh, who are being discharged from the hospital um, and for whatever reason cannot receive nirsevimab, it's not available, then the recommendation is to continue to receive synergis as, as they normally would. Is it ideal for the mom to get the vaccine before the baby is born? Yeah, now the, the maternal vaccine, that's a different um, product. That is a, um, a vaccine uh, that's been developed by Pfizer um, and has been tested in a, a phase three um, randomized controlled, placebo-controlled trial. Uh, results from that were published uh, this spring in April in New England Journal of Medicine, um, uh, demonstrating um, efficacy against uh, severe uh, medically attended uh, RSV disease. So, yeah, F- and FDA has authorized uh, that vaccine for, for moms who are pregnant. Uh, and again, the, the, the thought there is that mothers will be vaccinated against uh, this, um, this F protein of the, of the virus. Uh, the mother will develop antibodies against the virus and then those antibodies will be transferred across the placenta to the baby. That's recommended uh, for moms between 32 and 36 weeks gestation. Um, and how that is going to um, uh, interact with the recommendations for nirsevimab is not really entirely sure. If, um, you know, if mom receives the vaccine, should the baby receive nirsevimab as well? Um, I think most of us think that it's unlikely that, that'll, that, that that needs to be, to be given, but... Um, you know, we're still awaiting recommendations from the FDA and the uh, Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices, the experts in the field. Right now, would you recommend one or the other? Yeah, it's 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 hard to know for sure. I think there are the issues with the uh, the Pfizer vaccine were that there um, appeared to be an increased risk for preterm birth, although that was not statistically significant. So the recommendation from the FDA was that mothers be vaccinated only between thir- only between 32 and 36 weeks gestation. Um, and then additionally, there was um, some concern for increased risk for preeclampsia, again, not statistically significant, um, and then low birth weight in the babies that were born to moms who had received the vaccine, again, not statistically significant. Uh, and then the endpoint of the studies were a little bit different from most of the endpoints of the, um, um, the antibody trials for prevention of RSV, where antibody is given directly to the baby. Uh, most of those studies have used just medically attended lower respiratory tract infection due to RSV versus the Pfizer um, vaccine trial for moms. They used medically attended severe lower respiratory tract infection due to RSV. So endpoints were a little bit different. Um, and then the um, maternal RSV um, vaccine probably won't have as long of a half-life or as long as of a duration of action um, as nirsevimab. So um, it's, you know, uh, dif- difficult to say. The, the way that the maternal vaccine trial was structured, um, the, um, the study was evaluated uh, at its midpoint looking for one of two endpoints, either medically attended severe lower respiratory tract infection due to RSV 
or just medically attended lower respiratory tract infection due to RSV, and they met the endpoint for severe uh, severe infection, but not the other endpoint. So, um, I think a lot there there's still a lot of unanswered questions in, in this in this area. And for that pediatrician who was, he was saying to me, I feel like my it it will um, affect my credibility when I if I recommend this vaccine where there's a lot of unknown and it's an antibody and it's expensive, and will my patients believe me when I'm recommending other vaccines such as COVID and flu? Yeah, I think I would just kind of concentrate on the, the different me- different ways in which we uh, acquire antibodies. It's either through the traditional vac- vaccination or you know, passive acquisition of antibodies is, is an equally um, effective way to, to receive, vac- to receive um, antibody. I think I would just try to explain, um, you know, it's still the same, it's still um, antibody, whether it's given passively or whether it's um, active immunization. Um, From what I've read, this sounds like it's a medical miracle. Well, it's, it, it is a, um, you know, a major um, uh, byproduct of advances in, in medical science, I think. So yeah, it, it definitely is, um, it, it's exciting for those of us that have been in the field for a long time. Um, yeah, it's definitely, uh, definitely, definitely a, a, a new development. We have some questions from pediatric practitioners, but first, do you have a quote you'd like to say? We love quotes <laughs> on pediatrics now to inspire us. Yeah, I think for many of the diseases that I talk about um, that affect premature babies or any disease in general, we can kind of go back to Louis Pasteur's comment um, that when he, he he commented that when he contemplates a disease, he always thinks of ways to prevent the disease rather than treating the disease because prevention is always, always best. That's a great one. So here's one. This This pediatrician in the community she asks, I'd like to know about overall indication schedule, expected efficacy, and when it will be available. Also, will we see RSV early again this year? Yeah, I, and again, a lot of these are, are unknowns. In our hospital, we're working on uh, getting the drug on the formulary and, um, and then working with the, with the company AstraZeneca and Sanofi to, to acquire the, the medication. At University Hospital? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, so um, we are hoping to have it available by the by the beginning of this RSV season, uh, the first of October. Usually, traditionally, RSV seasons begin the first of October in the continental United States, and then, and then extend out through uh, March thirty first or the beginning of April. And then we always uh, try and follow uh, local uh, kind of activity. The Texas Department of Health provides information on. Um, RSV activity within all the regions in uh, in Texas. I think there's like eight or nine different regions within the within the state, and uh, TDH is always monitoring RSV activity. So um, last year we saw activity earlier than than typical. Um, this year, I think as we get farther and farther out from COVID and um, from mask wearing, I think the thought is that um, RSV activity is going to revert to its seasonal norms, which is beginning in the fall around the 1st of October and extending through the end of March. And we're seeing a COVID surge in kids right now, so perhaps there won't be the triple-demic again. 
Yeah, I think that's uh, that's all unknowns at this point. I, I think most of us are not wearing masks. Uh, so, and, and mask wearing was probably the biggest thing that affected the the kind of change in seasonal patterns. This next clinician asks, our only question in our practice is if there will be eventually a vaccine for older children or an indication with the current Bifortis for use past 18 months. We are on the pre-order list for Bifortis, but we're seeing more complications, hospitalizations recently in our slightly older children, ages two plus. Yeah, I don't think there's any any um, any indication or any data to support its use beyond uh, eight months for healthy, um, well children. Um, for children who are between eight and 19 months who are entering their second RSV season, if they're high risk, then they may qualify for a second dose of Bayfortis. And this would be baby babies who are premature that have uh, severe chronic lung disease that have required medical treatment within the six months preceding. Um, or uh, babies with cystic fibrosis or um, other kind of chronic conditions that would warrant uh, additional prophylaxis. But for healthy children and, um, and, and adults, it's not recommended. And I don't think we'll see a vaccine um, for those groups either, uh, at, least, at least not anything that I've heard of at this point. Um, you know, the older population, uh, older than 60, 65 years of age, um, it is recommended that those individuals receive RSV vaccine. Uh, Pfizer's got a vaccine. Moderna's working on one. GlaxoSmithKline, I believe, has got one as well. This pediatrician asks, and we can say it again to be clear, so just recommendations on when to give the initial vaccine, birth, two-week visit, one-month visit? Yeah, I think ideally probably during the birth hospitalization, if a baby is born uh, during the RSV season or near the beginning of the RSV season, then um, administering uh, the Bayfortis or the nirsivimab before the baby leaves the hospital would probably be ideal um, because of just difficulties in pediatricians acquiring the product uh, for a well baby visit. Um, but in some situations, if the baby is born uh, a month or two before RSV season and then come, they may have to get it in the pediatrician's office. The recommendation is that all babies who are less than eight months of age, um, um, premature or not, uh, recommendation is that they receive a single dose of nirsivimab um, once RSV season begins, if they're less than eight months of age. And if a pediatrician doesn't have that, then to go to the hospital, make an appointment, or how do you go? How do you do yeah, that? Yeah, I think that's that's all unknown at this point. Um, right. Whether they're going to refer to a clinic or um, exactly how that's going to be worked out, and I'm sure that makes it difficult for the pediatricians in practice. But um, I think we've just got a lot of unknowns at this point. The, the other issue, I mentioned the, the, the RSV vaccine. You know, the pricing is thought to be around, around $495, $500, um, and then $395 through the vaccines first or the vaccines for children program. And then the RSV vaccine for moms is thought to be much less expensive, $200. Logistics would be a lot easier. Um, so... But then if the baby is, if, if the mom receives vaccine between 32 and 36 weeks, and then the baby is born earlier than 32 weeks, then the baby is still at risk and um, will receive nirsivimab before going home from the hospital. So uh, a, lot of, a lot of unknowns, a lot of uncertainties. Once we get information regarding University Hospital, I can add this into the text of the podcast. So okay. if, and if our listeners want to check back, we'll update it. This pediatric practitioner says, I have triplets. They're 31, um, 
weekers, and I'm looking for options for RSV season. They are five weeks old and just released. Yeah, they definitely will qualify for nirsivimab. It's just a matter of finding a way logistically to administer the product. Um, but they're the they're the type of patient that really uh, could could benefit from this. And try to get it as soon as possible. Do you think it's urgent? Uh, no, I mean they should just get it once they're around the around the start of the RSV season. So beginning of October. Yeah. So this community provider says, my question is, at what age will it be? Is it approved for, and is that projected to change anytime soon? How often they need to get it, and is it restricted to RSV season? So I know you've gone over this, but it's good to... Yeah, it's um, uh, it's just a, a single dose uh, for, for healthy babies entering their first RSV season. So, and uh, timing of administration would be around the start of RSV season, which we expect to be around the 1st of October. This pediatric pr practitioner asks, is it required or recommended? Tell me again about the cost. Who needs to give it as newborns? Does it matter if it's the hospital or pediatrician? And just keep in mind, again, costs are huge. Yeah, it's recommended. Um, I, don't, I don't think any, um, anyone's going to require it. I don't think there's any, any mechanisms in place to you know, for the vaccination police to go out and, and <laughs> um, inspect and see if everybody's received their, right. their dose of nirsivimab. Um, but yeah, so it's recommendation, but it is a strong recommendation from the FDAP, or FDA and the um, ACIP. Uh, you know, FDA unanimously endorsed uh, nirsivimab for babies less than eight months. ACIP similarly unanimously endorsed it. Uh, and I think as we mentioned earlier, you know, if you get a group of doctors in a in a room together, it's hard to get unanimous agreement on any anything. Um, so, um, and then AAP has also um, endorsed it, and um, you know, has asked uh, third party payers, uh, both insurance and Medicaid, to fund it. Um, and the cost again is thought to be uh, the numbers that I've seen, which were from a, a recent. Um, issue of uh, pediatrics from, from um, the AAP, about $500 for um, a private payer um, and about $395 through the Vaccines for Children program. Um, and then hospitals likely may be able to negotiate lower, lower costs, um, but that's to be seen, I think, at this point. Here's a question from a pediatrician in Fredericksburg, Texas. Um, it's more of an access thing, getting it and having it covered by insurance since it is so expensive. Do you have any more uh, thoughts there where they're going to be, pediatricians are going to be asked about this by their patients and, but then not have it on hand or have a way to give it to them necessarily? Yeah, I think it's going to be easiest probably for babies that are born during the RSV season um, for the hospital to acquire it and to be able to give it. Um, I think the more difficult issue will be for babies that are born um, like maybe in the summertime and then uh, come upon their first RSV season uh, and still qualify for percentages or for um, uh, uh, Bifortis, Nircivimab. Um, but yeah, I mean, in talking with our pharmacist, um, it's, we don't really have any answers yet in terms of how it's, how it's going to work. Um, but I think um, giving it through hospitals uh, during the birth hospitalization would be best. And AAP says that um, the, the dosing can be given with other vaccines like hepatitis B vaccine and, and that sort of thing. So, um, and the 
the cost-effective analyses have shown that the medication should be cost-effective. For a baby who's born premature, if a pediatrician is talking to a mom or dad and they're hesitant because of the cost, would you recommend the pediatrician say, you know, I would do whatever you can to get this for your baby. It could save his or her life. Yeah. Um, um, I mean, if, if the baby is able to get it before discharge from the hospital, it, it, and we, we give um, RSV prophylaxis during the RSV season, uh, then that's going to be ideal because most pa- parents and families don't pay for the hospitalization out of pocket. You know, the, the hospitalization for a premature baby is, uh, you know, incredibly expensive. Uh, and thankfully, most families uh, don't have to pay out of pocket for, for, for most of that. And relative to the entire hospitalization for a premature baby, the cost of a single dose of nirsevimab is going to be um, uh, quite small. So um, it's all in perspective. Yeah, and yeah, and I think it. I mean, it definitely is recommended. Um, now there are other things that families can do to prevent RSV infection: um, washing their hands um, between contacting baby if someone at home is sick. Um, um, you know, if if someone is sick and has a cold, we may not know if the individual has RSV, but um, it's prudent for them to avoid contact with the baby until their symptoms have uh, subsided. Um, so, um, you know, this is not the only option for prevention of RSV, but um, it, it, is, it is a virus that can cause severe disease in some situations. And after premature babies, what's the next group you would say would be the most important to get this this antibody? Well, because, you know, as you mentioned in the, in the start, uh, so many of the hospitalizations uh, occur in just healthy full-term babies, um, and, and some, most of the cases of severe disease are in that group. Um, you know, babies that are born prematurely are at high risk, um, but relatively speaking, the numbers of premature babies are relatively small compared to full-term babies. Um, and that's why the you know, the, the authorizing agencies have recommended it for all babies less than eight months of age. Um, and then the other group at high risk are the elderly. Uh, we've been involved um, in a trial looking at a similar antibody to uh, nirsivimab uh, developed by Merck. Uh, it's called Klesrovimab. Um, and uh, Merck has been a little bit behind AstraZeneca and Sanofi in terms of development of this, of this antibody, although they feel that uh, in terms of potency and, and, and binding site, uh, there may be advantages to this particular antibody compared to uh, nirsivimab. Um, and uh, there, there are two trials that we've been involved in, one in uh, bigger premature babies and full-term babies, and then another trial um, uh, comparing uh, clesorovimab head-to-head against Synergis. Um, and so th- those studies are still ongoing, and that may be another option that we'll have in the future uh, that may help to drive the price down um, in, this, in this area. Uh, you know, if we've got two similar products, uh, that, you know, competition always uh, helps in terms of cost. When do you anticipate that could happen? Yeah, they the, the two studies that we've been involved in, they finished the first one in bigger premature babies and um, and full-term babies, and uh, they're still compiling data and still in the process of following up those patients. Uh, two of the babies that we enrolled in that study, uh, we just saw them in the hospital today for their last follow-up visit. Oh, really? Um, yeah, so that, that was great. They've done very, very well. Um, awesome. The, the second trial, which is a head-to-head study looking at safety and tolerability, 
of clesirovimab uh, versus Synergis uh, in high-risk uh, babies, typically the, mainly the premature baby population. Uh, that study is still ongoing. Um, enrollment was halted in North America because of the um, authorization and the approval of, of mirsivimab. Um, so it wasn't really, you know, no one in North America is going to want to um, give a baby synergies on a monthly basis when we've got this other option. Um, so that study is going to still be ongoing in uh, South America, South Africa, um, and other countries that don't have as, as ready availability to uh, nirsivimab or to Synergis. And, um, you know, Merck is a, a big, big company, and they've put the heft of their resources behind development of this product. So I think it will um, probably within the next year or two, we'll see it on the market. It's exciting. Dr. Odom, is there anything that we haven't, that you haven't mentioned that you would like to say regarding RSV preve prevention? No, I think it's it's just that we still have, unfortunately, we still have a lot of unanswered questions. Um, I talked with one of our infectious disease specialists uh, just today about some of these unresolved issues about, you know, how's the FDA and the, and the ACIP from CDC, what's their stance going to be in terms of recommendation of maternal vaccination with the Pfizer vaccine uh, versus administration of nirsivimab? Um uh, it'll be, you know, if mom receives vaccine, should her baby, should that be enough for the baby? Um, I, we we kind of tend to think that if mom has been vaccinated with the Pfizer vaccine, that the baby probably doesn't need any, any anything further, and that'll be the easiest. Um, and then certainly, but if the mom has not been vaccinated, I think the recommendation is still going to be for nirsivimab for babies less than eight months of age. And this will be updated in the red yeah. book. Yeah, and, um, and within the lay press. I mean, this received a lot of attention within the lay press. Um, uh, you know, I, um, so I, I think, um, you know, like I saw um, information on this on CNBC and um, yeah, national news, yeah, newspapers. New York Times yes. just had picked it up. So, uh, and then certainly AAP um, is going to be is going to be all over this with new developments. So, but I think we're all, all anxiously awaiting um, what's the the stance of FDA and CDC going to be in terms of are they going to recommend uh, nirsivimab um, um, in the setting of a mom who's received a vaccine, or are they just going to uh, limit it to babies who are born to moms who have not been vaccinated? Uh, no, but it's very interesting, interesting area and. A lot of unanswered questions at this point. A lot of and then logistically, um, a lot of unanswered uh, questions about how our hospitals going to acquire the, the medication. Our pediatricians going to be able to acquire it. Um, uh, they did. I, I, th I have seen information from Sanofi and from AstraZeneca that they are going to try to make it easier for pediatricians to acquire it. They'll allow um, returns on unused vials, and um, so. Um, but a lot of these things are still up in the air at this point, unfortunately. And will all hospitals in all cities eventually have the, have the vaccine? Yeah, it's it's hard to know or wh whether it's going to be at um, just higher level uh, hospitals, but I, I would think given the recommendation that if the hospitals are able to, um, you know, take the initiative and work to acquire it, that it, that it should be available at, at all hospitals, just like hepatitis B vaccine is available. Uh, and really... RSV is, um, you know, hepatitis B is a problem and a concern um, in terms of, you know, all the all the problems with chronic liver disease. But certainly, RSV is a big issue for uh, for young infants. 
you mentioned the statistics. Um, it's terrifying. A, yeah. So, and if we can, um, anything we can do to prevent it certainly is worthwhile. Dr. Odom, what inspired you to research RSV prevention all these years? <laughs> um, well, you know, it was introduced to me uh, by our, uh, the head of our division when I first joined uh, the Division of Neonatology at, um, uh, at um, UT Health. Um, and she encouraged me to become involved in, in this uh, clinical research. Um, and it's something, you know, it, it's a, a big, big problem for premature babies, RSV uh, infection. And um, so it was something that, uh, and I've always had an interest in, in neonatal infectious diseases. And it's something that was, um, became really exciting for me. And with new developments in the field, it, it um, became more and more interesting. Uh, we were involved with a couple of studies with Metamune, a company that was eventually acquired by AstraZeneca and has um, kind of um, provided the, the foundation for the development of Nersimumab. Uh, we were involved in a study uh, with Regeneron, which is a large biotechnology company. Uh, they developed an antibody against RSV that unfortunately was not effective because of mutations in one of the, uh, the, the types of the, uh, of the virus. Uh, and that's one of the things that AstraZeneca is interested in following is one, they want to make sure that the RSV virus does not mutate and become um, uh, immune to the vaccine. Um, there does not seem to be much indication that that will take place, uh, but that's something that's, that's a, con a bit of a concern and something that they're going to follow over time. My oldest brother was born very premature, and so my whole life I've seen the effects with, you know, and this was um, more than 50 years ago, um, how he was affected by that. And just to see the advances and to be able to be sitting here talking to doctors such as you who are do doing so much to help in this field, it's, it's truly an honor. Well, thank you very much. I, uh, it's been uh, an exciting part of my professional career and um, something that's, that's, uh, that's been very interesting. And, and really, it's great to see the progress uh, in the field and, and really to see a preventative therapy that's now recommended for all babies, uh, you know, less than eight months is just really uh, tremendous development. I did not think that um, really that we'd see that. Um, so it's real, uh, really amazing, I think. It's incredible. And if I remember correctly, you're uh, a Longhorns fan. Yes, you know, interestingly, I went to uh, Baylor for undergrad and then uh, medical school at, at UT Southwestern. So I've got allegiances to both Baylor and to, uh, and to UT. Nice. Well, I was um, up on top of a mountain this weekend when the game was going on, so I didn't get to watch it. But did you watch the UT game? Yes, I did. Yeah. I don't want to talk about the Baylor game. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. So, it, yeah, Baylor yeah. did not win. Yeah, Baylor, yes, <laughs> did not win. But, we're, but UT looked good. Dr. Michael Odom, thank you so much for being here again today on Pediatrics Now. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Pediatrics Now. If you know of someone who you think would be interested in this, please share. Our website is pediatricsnowpodcast.com. Please send me your episode ideas and comments.